Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's Word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Welcome back to Truth Pod. Thank you for downloading this podcast. I hope that you find it a blessing to your life and an encouragement to your Christian walk. With this study, I celebrate two years of Truth Pod. If you want to send me presents and gift cards, just send them to... I'm just joking about that. But seriously, I appreciate your prayers and telling others about this podcast. That means a lot to me, you know, and and it helps knowing that there are people listening. You know, I really do appreciate knowing that there's people listening. And uh, so thank you so much and, and may God bless you. If you can, uh, join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Oh, thank you for this uh, two-year anniversary of Truth Pod um, being out so that people can listen. Father, two years. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for everyone who has listened to Father. And uh, Lord, thank you for all the kind words that they've said. And those that I've talked to, of course, and I pray your blessings upon the listeners. I pray that you would use TruthPod for your glory, Jesus. Father, as we uh, continue our study on the road to Golgotha, I pray that you'd bless this series, bless this study, in Jesus' name, amen. So, for the past several weeks, I've been choosing songs that relate to the cross or talk about the cross This week I've chosen a song that I came across by accident. I listen to old time radio when I'm at work, you know, because listening to the same old music gets boring to me and and I love it. It's just, you know, you just hear the same songs over and over and over. And uh, so I listen to old time radio. Uh, A friend of mine got me started listening to it way back. Oh, I would think early 90s. Anyway, uh, so I, I was listening to, it was really strange, I was listening to a comedy show, okay, but they were having their Easter program, and the show was called The Great Gildersleeve, you know, so it was a comedy show, and uh, they were doing an Easter program, and this black lady uh, is uh, Mr. Gildersleeve's housekeeper. And she was going to sing at the uh, Easter church service and was, you know, telling oh, uh, Mr. Gildersleeve about it, you know, about coming and stuff. And, and she started singing this song. It's called, Were You There? I had never heard it before, but I, when she started singing it, it's like, whoa, wow, that song is, you know, has some power to it. And it's not a... A very complicated song it's not even a very long song but the words just make you think listen to what the words say were you there when they crucified my lord were you there when they crucified my lord oh sometimes it causes me to tremble 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 were you there when they crucified my lord Were you there when they nailed him to the cross? Were you there when they nailed him to the cross? 
Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the cross? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? I mean, and when she sang this song, it just, yes, it was a comedy show, but, oh, it was like everything was put on pause as far as comedy, and it just pointed right to the cross. You can't miss it. It's obvious. It's right there, you know, and uh, it was sung with such passion. Um, this song is included in almost every major hymnal of the last 30 years, Were You There, is one of the most prominent and popular of the African-American spirituals. Yet, like most spirituals, the origins of Were You There are impossible to trace. Born not from the pen of an individual, but out of the communal slave experience. Wow. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? What a question. This is my 20th study in the series I've titled Road to Golgotha. You know, it's a, a very emotional road, very passionate road. So I think when we go into it, we should go into it with feeling, with passion. A lot has happened uh, in this week we call the Passion Week. We started with the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We spent time with him and his disciples in the upper room and read how he, how he prayed in the garden till his sweat became his great drops of blood. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we were taken into the palace of Pontius Pilate where Jesus was tortured beyond human recognition. Last week, we talked about why. Why did it have, have to happen? We talked about the holiness of God and how, for us humans, it's impossible for us to reach the holiness of God or even to stand within his presence in ourselves because we're filthy, we're dirty, um, we're, you know, we're undone. As the prophet Isaiah said, uh, the prophet Isaiah said that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in his train. It filled the temple. And then it goes on to say, and then he, uh, Isaiah said, rather, I was filled with woe. He says, woe is me, for I am undone. And uh, I have unclean lips and live among people of unclean lips. He began to see his own sin, you know, because he had first saw the glory of God in the temple and the holiness of God. And his response was, I'm undone. I'm undone. So apart from Christ, 
where the justice part came in that we had talked about last week, the justice of God had to be satisfied so that we could be that we could get back into the presence of God. This was God's plan to get man back into his presence. And the only way it could happen would be that if the justice of God was satisfied, and the only way the justice of God could be satisfied is if someone were able to pay for the sin of Adam and Eve, the sin of all mankind. And that brought us to Jesus. And where we're at right now, the road to Golgotha. So the holiness, the justice, the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, Jesus. John said it this way, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to Scripture. John chapter 19 Verses 5 through 16 in the English Standard Version says this, So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, to the crowd there, Behold the man. When the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to, said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. For I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. People are funny, aren't they? Not ha-ha funny, but strange or complicated. You know, hard to figure out. I often think uh, in what I call a straight line. I'm guilty of seeing a lot of things black and white. I, I confess that I'm guilty. Just ask my wife. I see things black and white pretty much in a straight line. 
okay? Uh, I know there are times gray is thrown in, but that's just to irritate me. <laughs> anyway, you see, when I think of a teacher, for example, I think of someone who has been trained to educate children in math, English, history. Okay, that's pretty much the limit of it right there. You know, to educate them in what was called the three R's. You know, but then you could throw in history in there. You can, you know, you could throw in some other uh, pertinent items. Okay. I do not think of someone who is there to indoctrinate children into their philosophies and agendas. You know, so when it comes to there, that kind of throws me off. It's, to me, that's not a teacher. Someone who gets up there and promotes their agenda Someone who gets up there and, and puts up a certain kind of flag, you know, in the class and say, uh, this is what we salute, you know, instead of the U.S. flag. Um, so some of what we will look at today deals with the sway of indoctrination. Some so-called spiritual leaders, you know, uh, had the sway over the people of their day. We have several people involved in today's account of the final moments of the life of Christ on earth. We have, um, we have the number first, Jesus. This whole scenario wraps around him. Second, we have Pilate, who is like a husband and wife asking each other, where do you want to go for lunch? Think about that. We have Pilate, who is like a husband and wife asking each other, where do you want to go for lunch? Third, we have the chief priest filled with hate and out for blood. Fourth, the crowd made up of everyday people who have come for a show. They're the type who hear a fire engine passing by and then they follow just to watch a fire. Fifth, we have his loved ones. They are few in number, but these have come for him. They remember how he changed their lives, but there is little they can do. So Jesus came out. That's what it said in our opening verse. Pilate comes out to the crowd with one last appeal. He will demonstrate to the people that this trial of Jesus has been dealt with sufficiently and it should come to an end. I personally do not think the crowd had any idea what was about to happen or the brutality that had been perpetrated on Jesus while he was out of their presence. Pilate parades Jesus out in front of the crowd and the crowd gets their first look at Jesus since he had been brutalized by the Roman soldiers. I would think the crowd would gasp as they saw him marched out to them, as some sideshow at a circus for people to gawk at or make fun of, whispers probably started circulating, is that Jesus? Is that Jesus? It's hard to, for us to visualize what they saw before them. Many of them, no doubt, had seen Jesus many times. They would remember his long hair because he was a Nazarene and his beard, for it was common for Jewish men to have. You know, they would remember what he what he looked like and, you know, and uh, the smile across his face. I can't help but think that Jesus smiled a lot. 
Why? He had a lot to smile for, you know. I, I believe he had a lot to smile for. And uh, because God loves loves everyone. He loves he loved those people. Um, I believe he smiled when he was when he was breaking the bread and uh, the fishes, the loaves and the fishes, you know, and feeding the multitudes. I believe he just smiled when he said when he did that because you know he was loving on them. He was loving them. And uh, you know, so they they remembered his looks, his you know, that how he looked just as you and I, just as any common person would look. Now that the man, now the man that Pilate had prayed out in front of them barely resembled a man. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said when he saw him. Isaiah 52, 14 in the New English or New International Version says this: Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of hum of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. Wow. You know, I, I, I can't imagine it. His face, please picture this, his face is bruised all over. Uh, possibly several teeth has been knocked out. I, I don't know. I, I can't see how they wouldn't have been. His eyes are black and blue. His cheeks are swollen from where they yanked out the beard by the roots. As they look at him, they see a crown of thorns on his head. Blood is uh, trickling down from where the thorns have made their insertion into his scalp. These thorns have been plunged deep, deep into his scalp. How he is standing is anyone's guess. How he is standing, he has been beating, beaten so viciously, so viciously. A purple robe has been placed upon his shoulders, not in reverence, no, not in some type of, we recognize who you really are, but in mockery. It barely covers the stripes that cover his body. At this time, the blood has dried and sticking to the robe like adhesive. Think about this when this robe is torn from his body. All the wounds that the robe covered covered will be torn open again, causing great pain. You might say, well, why do you keep talking about this and, you know, and, and how, and just emphasizing these things? Because it's what happened. It's what happened for you, sinner. It's what happened for you, sinner. It's what happened for you, saint. For the person who, who is now a child of the living God, it's what happened for you and I. Every single one of us. I don't care what station of life you're in. I don't care if you're recognized as a sinner or you're recognized uh, as a saint. It, it, it don't matter. It happened for you. You might be a drunkard. Okay. You might be a drunkard. You might be hooked on drugs. You might even be a murderer. You might be in prison right now. All right. 
in prison where there's bars around you. But let me tell you, it happened for you. It happened for you. All these things were real. The pain he felt was real. Just because he is the God-man, he did not limit the pain or, you know, condense the pain, stop the pain in some way. Rather, becoming man meant he would feel all of the pain. All of it. All of it. When you would look at his legs, you would see his stripes, the stripes on his legs. If you could see anywhere near the thighs, you would see stripes. You would see bruising, contusions upon the body, blood dripping down from where he was beaten. If you could see his sides, his back would be laid open because he said that he gave his backs to their, those who, who plowed their furrows upon it. In other words, they dug deep into his back. When he was abused, he was abused for you and I. Every one of us. Every one of us. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how good you've been. Because you know our goodness is as filthy rags. Our goodness is just filthy rags. But he did this all for you and I. You and I. In Matthew 27, 31, and I was talking about the robe, it says, After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put on his own clothes on him. And then they led him away to crucify him. So that's Matthew 27, 31, talking about removing that robe. After it had been on him for a little while, after it allowed some of the wounds to stick to the robe, the robe and then they would just rip it from him tear it off. They didn't care about him. To him, he was just another prisoner, just another nobody. Think about that, my friend. He was just another nobody to them. So maybe you're there and you're thinking, I'm just a nobody. I'm, I'm useless. Nobody likes me. I have no friends. I have no one I can never turn to. Maybe that's you. Well, that's how he looked to these guards. That's how he looked. He was considered a nobody, a nothing. He's just a prisoner. He's scum. He's low. He's, he's unworthy. He's no more than an animal. And they're abusing him. The BE series commentary says this, and I quote, if any crowd should have been moved by pity, it was the Jewish crowd that waited on Pilate. What nation has suffered more than the Jews? Here was one of their own, a Jewish prophet, suffering unjustly at the hands of the Romans, and the Jews did not repent or even show any touch of pity. If sinners who actually saw Christ in his suffering did not repent, what hope is there for people 20 centuries later who only read about his agonies? Unquote. If you could take a look at this, this crowd standing in front of Pilate, the majority of the people have turned on Jesus. The majority of them. They once praised him. Some of them praising him. Some of them shouting, you know, how great he was. And now they're yelling, crucify him. Crucify him. 
I subtitled the study, Behold the Man. And I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I want to say some other things about this, though, but... But not everyone in this crowd hates Jesus. Several women who are present who have followed Jesus for at least three years. Mary Magdalene is present. Her heart aches at what she sees. And others are there also that love him. Turn your head to the right just a little bit and you'll see one woman whose heart is being torn out of her chest. This is his mother, Mary. Mary um, was just like any other woman, any other mother. Her son, she sees him scarred, badly abused. And she can barely recognize him. But like any other mother, her heart is just torn to pieces. Mothers have that special love toward their children. That is something you know, us men can't grasp because it's, well, they carried them for nine months and then gave birth to them. When Joseph and Mary had brought Jesus to be dedicated when he was just a baby, there was a man there, Simeon, a devout Jew, who told Mary that this is what will happen to you and says this to Mary in Luke 2.35, uh, the English Standard Version, and it says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. He told that to Mary. Uh, you know, I don't know if she even caught it, if she understood it. But here it's happening. It's fulfilled this day. Behold the man. One commentator said, and I quote, Pilate hoped against hope that this awful spectacle would melt their hearts. But it only whetted their appetite for more suffering to the man they considered their rival in religion and power. Unquote. After everyone got a good look at Jesus, barely recognizable as he is, Pilate says to the crowd, Behold, the man. I don't know if he did it in a cold manner or, or ashamed of what his soldiers had done to him or a final plea. Is this enough? You know, maybe, maybe he's trying to reach out to the crowd and saying, look, he's been beaten so severely, so badly. Isn't it enough? Hasn't this thing gone on long enough? Haven't you seen enough? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's hard to understand people, isn't it? It's hard, hard to understand where they're coming from. You think you know someone. You think you understand someone. And then in the next moment, they're different. They're they're. Their demeanor is different. Their thoughts are different. Their actions are different. They treat you different. And all the time, you thought you knew them. You may have raised them as your own. It may have been your own children. And you thought you knew them. You thought 
you know, I know this person and they could never do this. And yet there they are. There they are. People are strange. They're hard to understand. Only God can understand the ways of man. You know, only God can. When the chief priest and officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. It probably became louder and louder. You would think that any person with feelings would immediately cry out, enough, enough. We've seen enough. We've, we've, okay, we're, we're satisfied with what we've seen. He's had enough. But no, they wanted more blood. You can almost see them drooling as they, as they say, behold the man. They're wicked hearts. Wicked hearts. But see, they feel like they're righteous. They feel like they're the, the, the righteous ones here. They feel like they're satisfying God, that this is what God wants. And, and really the irony is they are. They are satisfying God but they're on the wrong side. They're on the wrong side. Yes, God's justice is absolutely being satisfied. It is being satisfied here. Uh, one man is paying for the sins of the whole world, of every baby born on, the, on planet Earth. He is paying for that person's sins. They're all being paid for, but all we ha and but what we have to do is receive that as atonement for our sins. See, it does little good if it's if it's been paid for, but yet we don't go up and take the gift. For the wages of sin is death, Romans six twenty three. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's no pity on their part for Christ. They have no sorrow for what has taken place. These men who were supposed to be scholars of the law had no shame. Nothing mattered except their agenda. How many times they must have read the following scriptures from the prophet Isaiah, but the words could not penetrate their cold and stubborn hearts. I want to read to you some verses from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 3 through 8. It says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crucified, or crushed, I'm sorry, I start to say crucified. He was crushed. For our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut out, cut off out of the land of the, of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. For many people listening to me right now, these events took place 2,000 years ago and have little to do with them in the 21st century. They have their own problems. Gas prices, war in Ukraine, um, skyrocketing um, grocery bill, can't afford housing, and so much more. So these have little. This this has little meaning for them. You know, they 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 got their own problems. They're they're busy to. They're too busy to think of the sufferings of a Jewish carpenter. Many people today would have more feelings of sorrow and pain if I were talking about someone abusing a puppy or about the sorrows in Ukraine, about how people are dying over there. They'd feel more sorrow for those things, more, they'd have more feelings. That's the word I'm looking for. They'd have more feelings for those things. But listen, listen. But for those who are still moved by such love and mercy that God would become flesh and allow sinful man to beat and abuse him so that man could be reconciled to God. Oh, there's, there's nothing like it. You and I, child of God, you and I who who uh, are just grateful for what he did. And, and we, we think about it often. We think about it long and hard. And to us, it's precious. It's dear. It moves us. It matters to us. It still, in this 21st century, it has great and awesome meaning what he did was an awesome thing what he did was an incredible amazing thing no wonder that man isaac newton or i'm sorry john newton wrote the words amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me yeah, yeah, I know, I feel it, I know what it's about, I don't get it all right, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't get everything right in my life, I'm not, quote, the perfect Christian, unquote, uh, you know, I probably don't measure up to very many people's standards, and you're probably thinking the same thing, but you know what? I love him the best that I can, and I'm working on loving him more. 
and I want to love him more, and I want to appreciate him more, and I want to be grateful more for what he did here. Behold the man, the man, Christ Jesus, the man who came to take away my sins, the man who has such a precious place in my heart, this man, Jesus. Well, I didn't talk a lot about the scriptures, just mainly the one, Behold the Man. I will finish the trials of Jesus next week as we continue on the road to Golgotha. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of his family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Second, believe that he died for you and ask him to forgive your sins. Third, thank him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.